that our guys are getting some respect, but also, you know, we got to go prove it. That's Barry Odom, and the Tigers are going to have to prove it, and I feel pretty confident going into this season. This is a Sports Plus podcast. I'm Corey Miller, here with Mike Bush, Andy Muller, and for the first time, Rob Edwards, the Mizzou guru in the office, because we're going to talk a lot of Mizzou today. Um, first off, let's get to the football field. I mean, this team, it doesn't matter if they're historically good. Like, I think they're going to be if they can't play in the postseason. There's still that ominous cloud of a postseason ban hanging over them. Just right off the top, what's everybody's thoughts on? I mean, on, what, what, what? How do you a, think it's going to shake out? Does I it don't think it? it'll shake out in Mizzou's favor. There is no indication in NCAA uh you know, if you go back in their history, they, they don't they, they do not relent. Once they make a decision, that they stick to that decision. And, and you know, it's the old Jerry Tarkanian line from way back in the day that the NCAA would come after him and he would profess his incident, in, innocence, and he would say the NCAA is so mad at, at UNL or at Kentucky that they gave UNLV two <laughs> more years of probation. Right, right. The NCAA and Mizzou do not get along well. No. So for the first time, listeners, this is uh, EP Rob coming in. Uh, I know you guys uh, haven't gotten a chance to hear from me yet, but I think I think the point here is that Mizzou was forthcoming with their penalties. They were the ones willing to come forward for sure. and say they did it. And I I think the NCAA has proven time and time and time and time again, if you cooperate with them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And uh, it seems like the schools that don't tend to get off and, um, you know, Mizzou will have to see and hopefully things will work out. So one of the uphill challenges that Mizzou faces and every major college university, even pro teams are facing is how do you compete against the experience on television? How do you compete against uh, the family that feels like it's too much of a jog to try to get out to the stadium every weekend? Mizzou is in a unique position, you know, where Columbia is located two hours from both major metropolitan areas. So how do you make sure that fans are willing to give up their weekends uh, so one of the things that the SEC has started allowing this summer and that Mizzou sounds like they're going to take advantage of is alcohol sales in the stadium. So uh, it's possible. I know Jim Sturck and Barry Odom are both, have both come out in favor of selling beer inside the stadium for games. and They feel like that's going to be a draw. They've also added this year a tailgating service where fans who don't want to come up early to set up can pay this company. I think it's $375 a game for a group of 20 They'll set up the tent for you. They'll set up the chairs. They'll put a cooler out for you with Sounds ice. Sounds good to me. Yeah. And, uh, me. <laughs> and they'll do everything for you. So I, they're trying to do some things to bring in fans, despite the fact that there may not be a payoff in the end. But, you know, as we all know, all that's going to matter is winning. And all right. that's going to matter is if they come out right. and win the games. And, and people weren't going to the right. games for years yeah. because they weren't winning. Right. And now they are. So that, that definitely brings people out. W- winning solves a lot. And, I mean, I'm going to go – just to see uh, that new south end zone, honestly, because it is impressive. Frank's going to have uh, a full like tour and details on August 1st because uh, he's waiting for Odom to, to show the players, and then he's going to uh, tell everybody back here in St. Louis. But Frank got a tour, and he was just blown away. Yeah, I saw some of the I saw some of the footage, the like, pools and the locker rooms. It's insane, and it's not even – this is Mizzou. This isn't Alabama. Right, I can't imagine what like LSU and that's Alabama. That's great for like. recruiting, but yeah. the fans they're not. No, have it's but I mean, there's other amenities in the in for the sure. in the project too. Yeah. Um, but it's just good to see they're putting some money back in, into making that stadium look new. It's been there. How old is that, Rob? Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. So <laughs> I think Faro Field goes back to the uh, 30s, that maybe potentially right. before that. Yeah. 
you know, a little before they that. They made a lot of improvements, though. It's, they modernized. It looks good. You know, what's funny is you'll hear from the fans, and they'll, um, you know, everybody likes to complain about something, especially, you know, Mizzou fans. They can find <laughs> no, any... No, 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 not at all. What are you talking you know, about? We have, a, we have a reputation for tending to be hard on ourselves. And, you know, no matter what they do to the stadium, fans will still point out that there's still a track around the inside of the stadium, and they feel like the fact that we can't get rid of that uh, old track around makes us look low rent and an old school will never compete with other schools because there's what? a track around the stadium. So there's always, yeah, there's always something. There's always something. So four wins when Odom in his first year mm-hmm. in 2016, and then it was seven, then it was eight. eight. How many this year? Well, let's get to, let's get to the actual team. And I got, probably should have started this with a disclaimer. Rob and I went to Mizzou, so in case you couldn't tell, we probably made that already pretty Objectivity clear. Objectivity is probably not going to happen in this podcast from us, but... You are um, going to add the Mizzou fight song underneath. Oh, yes, yes, of course, us. of course. Sure. Uh, so, upcoming season. This Mizzou offense, I think, has a chance to be one of the best offenses we've seen, it, definitely since I've been watching Mizzou, because it returns pretty much fully intact, except your quarterback, and I don't think you're going to lose anything in your quarterback, because you got Kelly Bryant coming in, one of the most heralded transfers in the history of college football. And Odom just raves and rants about this guy so far, and so do his teammates. And I don't think they're going to lose a step from Drew Locke. But so it'll be different. It'll I mean, be they're different. Not gonna, they're probably not going to throw as much. They'll yeah. probably run a little bit more because this guy is a, a very talented runner. Great athlete. I think this parallels a lot to the 2005 season with Brad Smith in his senior year. And, you know, that was a year where a lot of fans were frustrated because Gary Pinkle tried to make Brad Smith a pocket passer that year. So the entire plan was, you know, we're going to show that this guy can throw the ball. We're going to show that he's not just a runner. Um, you hope that Barry Odom realizes that um, while they want to bring Kelly Bryant in, he wanted to work with Derek Dooley um, so that he could prove to NFL scouts that he's a thrower. This guy has um, a, I would say, close to elite running game as well that the team needs to utilize. And if they don't find a way to incorporate the running game from the quarterback position and try to make him just a pocket passer, I think that's a mistake. Yeah. So hopefully we see in these fall practices that they're opening it up a bit, they're going to allow him to get outside the pocket and We'll see. Well, I, he's going to have quite the receiving core to, to throw yeah. to, to to help him out. And pretty much everybody's, I think, they, well, they lost they lost Emmanuel Hall. I think that's really the only big name they lost. But they got Jonathan Nance, who's the, the transfer from Arkansas. He's, he's, a, he's a big guy. Him and Kelly Bryant, I'm pretty sure, had a relationship. They knew each other before they both came here. Um, and Al- Albert, Albert o, o will hopefully be healthy. How do you pronounce his last name? Anybody. Okanuka Waybom. That's amazing. Well Okanuka Waybonom, I'm pretty sure is it. That's Albert good. O works for me. But they got him, they got Jonathan Dance, Cam Scott, Jonathan Johnson in his senior year, who's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen on a football field. Dominic Jacinto, who nobody probably really knows about that much, but he's really good. He would start on a lot of teams. Jalen Knox, another sophomore. Then the hometown kid, Alex Afadale, coming back. This receiving core is just stacked, and as long as Kelly Bryant puts it close, I think they're going to be all right, especially in the end zone. Just throw it up to Albert O every time and call it a day. Well, the the, the big key is going to be trying to keep everybody happy. <laughs> That's true. And, and if they're running more with all that talent in the receiving core, that could be a challenge. Uh, yes, it could. So on the running back side, uh, they lost Demaria Crockett, which last year they had Crockett, Roundtree, and Tyler Beatty, and that was just a three-headed monster. And but they're still in fine shape. Roundtree was their best rusher last year statistically, 
that guy's a beast, and Odom said he works harder than anybody in camp. So you know he's going to show up. And Tyler Beatty is just – he's going to be a star, I think. Rob, what do you think? He's, his elusiveness is just off the charts. I don't think a lot of people out there realize that Larry Roundtree has the ability, I believe, to end this season as one of the school's uh, – somewhere up in the top five to top ten leading rushers all time. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that, you know, people have really appreciated is is how well he's performed over the past couple of years because he's been behind well, some last guys. Last year, Crockett, well, 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 Crockett yeah. was the headliner, but Roundtree ended up with the best stats. So I think they're going to have to rely on him. I think Beatty is an amazing number two to have next to him. And, um, you know, again, as long as they're kind of utilizing Kelly Bryant in the attack as well, I think the running game will be solid. Who's the best Mizzou running back you guys have seen? Wow. Well, it wasn't Tony Van Sant, unfortunately. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Andy and I were just talking about him earlier today. Yes, we were. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it might, it might have been had he not gotten hurt. Tony Temple, of course, me growing up in the mid-2000s, that's the guy that I always think of. Nothing really comes to mind yeah. as, as far as elite Mizzou Nobody, running yeah. backs. But, you know, boy, they've James been starting. Wilder. Wilder was pretty darn good. That's that's a very good point. Back in, And Earl Gant was pretty good as yeah. well. Henry Josie was – Henry Josie's my favorite, though, just his story. Yeah, I continue back. to uh, look at that clip every once in a while, the A&M game where oh. he you – know, Yeah, made I was there. The oh, my gosh. I was just, on the field. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's one of those things that will <laughs> stick with you for a long time. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the schedule. It would be a darn shame if this ban is held up because this schedule is set up for this team to make some hay. It's insane. They're going to be favored. Rob would probably know this. I think they're going to be favored in 10 games. Yeah, I printed the schedule here, guys. And so it's it's really a weird year for Mizzou because they start the year going to Laramie at Wyoming, <laughs> which is an odd game to begin with, right? So you got to get yourself up for that. They're actually uh, 14 to 14 and a half point favorites in that game. So they're expecting, you know, a closer game but uh should pull that out and then they have six home games or i'm sorry five home games in a row over six weeks which is something you never see so they get the non-conference mostly out of the way first sec game at home against south carolina i think Corey, you'd agree that's probably where the first big yeah that's a big test from yeah well on that i mean the only real tests i see maybe south carolina Florida and Georgia, oh, Georgia will be a test. Right. Florida and Georgia, Florida and Georgia. I mean, Georgia is the one you kind of throw out the window. Okay, they're going to lose that one. But probably. those aren't until November, but, so you have to realize they should be, should if they can take care of the games at home against West Virginia, South Carolina, Kentucky, maybe, and then go on the road and beat Vanderbilt and Kentucky. They have an open date, and then play Georgia. They could be eight and zero before they, they play be. that game at Georgia, which would be huge for this program. It would be a shame, of course, yeah. if it's 8-0. And they can't go to and the And they can't playoffs. go to a bowl, and it doesn't yeah, matter. Right. Yes. Um, and, and, again, going back on the downtrodden, cynical Mizzou <laughs> That would fan, be just how it goes. <laughs> we would go 12-0 and this year, and then um, – And that's it. And that's it. And, that's it. and it's over. Great so job. You hope, you hope that doesn't happen, but uh, the cynical fan would say that's probably so where we're headed. So let's get back to Mike's – question originally uh record predictions what do you think mike well if you look if you look at the schedule and, and you let's say you say they lose to georgia you figure there's maybe one more hiccup so i say two losses 10 and 2 is is where i'm i'm going um that's that's what i that's what i would have said because yeah. as a lifelong <laughs> fan of you know there's there's always just something there that they stub their toe on yeah. so yeah. But I think ten and two Hopefully is very realistic. Hopefully, it won't realistic. be Detroit. 
Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> no. no, it'll be the Southeast Missouri State. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you look at every game individually, you can see 11 wins. Like, if you just take every game as an individual matchup. event and a matchup, you can see where this team could beat every team on the schedule except at Georgia. But you can't do that, right? It's a season of every game building on itself. And I really think that game against South Carolina is the huge dividing line for this team. If they come out flat, I mean, they've lost three years in a row to South Carolina. It's clearly a hurdle, you know, a mental hurdle they have to get over ever since the double overtime game where, you know, the ball clanked yeah. off the upright. Ever since then, South I'm in, Carolina I'm seems, in that shot. Yeah. You can see me up behind the goalposts. <laughs> ever since then, South Carolina just, I think, seems to be a mental hurdle for this team. Um, you win that game. I I would say ten and two is probably the most realistic. We have a consensus uh, here. Yeah, I that's what that's, I was yeah. that's what I was gonna say too. Yeah. Okay, let's move on a little bit. Um I was gonna toot my own horn and play a bite from a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but it wasn't as good. I, 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 I hold on, it wasn't as good. <laughs> it didn't make me look as good as I wanted it to make me look, so I decided not to play it. Um Talking about how Mr. Optimism, how non I was not very worried about the Cardinals, and since that time, they've turned it around. Mr. Mike Bush, are Listen, you still? <laughs> they turned it around against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Yes, they then, did. That's who's on the ski. You play who's there. Well, that's right, and I'm so happy they did well because you never know. But now it's Houston. Okay, yeah. they didn't do so well against Houston. They did not. And here come the Cubs, and then the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. That's a different ball game. It is. They and swept again, the Dodgers this year, though. In April, that w- what matters for the Cardinals is they need to do something before the trading deadline. If if they go the rest of the season with the starting pitching staff that they have, they're they're. I mean, I don't think they're going to be a wild card team, and I don't know that they're even be in the race come mid-September. Well, let's get to the trade deadline right off the bat cuz that's what everybody's been talking about today. Hey, they dealt for a pitcher. They dealt for a pitcher today. Come on, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Sally <I'm>... Sunshine <laughs> here leading the podcast. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I like the Robbie Ray rumors for Arizona. I That'd think be that's great. I thought Stroman was the best fit cuz I didn't think he would he wouldn't take one of your two top guys. He wouldn't take Gorman or uh or uh, Carlson. Carlson to get, I don't think. So you could have maybe traded some guys down there and got him for two years. That's really kind of what I wanted. But now that's not going to happen unless the Mets try and flip him, but they want an even higher price. So now I think Robbie Ray and Chafin, as they've been throwing in a lot of rumors, a reliever for the Diamondbacks, is the way to go. But I agree. They have to get a starter. If they don't get a starter, I don't know what they're doing. I I don't understand. I don't know what they're doing either. Well, they're putting Michael Walker back out there instead of Ponce. Fantastic. Well, I feel confident about They're just going to flip-flop those two the rest of the year, I guess. Andy, what do you want to see them do? I've got to see them make some kind of move. Please, just, you know... Give me my hope and my fellow man that it's that you know that it's not all for naught here. They need to do something. And how long have we heard John Mozalak say? You know, he said it in spring training. We're all in on 2019. Well, if you don't make any moves to try to shore up what you have here, you're not going all in. No, I mean, listen. If they are able to to make a trade for a starter, if they get a Robbie Ray, if they if they want to buck up and get Zach Greinke, if they if they get a top starter to put in that rotation, and then Ozuna comes back, Goldschmidt keeps hitting like Goldschmidt, DeYoung has a good second half, uh, you know, or August and September, 
um, all of a sudden, I think, yeah, they could they could not only uh, be a wild card team, they could still win that division. But it, it, with this current starting core, I don't think they're going to get going anywhere unless they make a move. Well, what did I say earlier, Andy? If the Cardinals were in the AL West, they would be 14 games out or something like that. That's, and that's exactly right. Yeah. Don't they have the same record as the Angels? The Angels. Oh, they have one more win than the oh, Angels, right, who are right. like 14 games out. Right. So it's all in how you look at it. But the Cubs and Brewers, it's just going to ratchet up. And I think these next three days, I don't want to put too much pressure on it, but I think these next three days are going to really determine how this thing shakes out. I mean, I, I, I said and, I don't and, want to put too much pressure, but I just did. Well, and the Cubs are a horrible road team so far. Yeah. I think they're 20 and 31 on the road. You've got to win. You've got to win at least two you out of three. You have to win the series, yeah. Uh, what have you guys liked Goldschmidt finally being Goldschmidt? I know every time he comes up to the plate, I kind of stop everything I'm doing and watch. It's, fine, it's fun to finally see the guy we thought we were going to be seeing. It is a lot of fun, and when you talk to Frank about him and his personality, and you're in the locker room all the time, Corey, um, he just seems like a humble star. He is. Who, he's also a terrible soundbite. Yes. But <laughs> Fra- 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 Frank says he's not the most exciting fellow in the world. No. Uh, you know, uh, those of us who work in television but like, he'll like stand, exciting But he'll stand there and talk to you for 10 minutes yeah. just yeah, he's great. So, but but there's something there's something endearing about that humility. Um, uh, so, I mean, he's the, he's the kind of guy you want to root for, and you figured that this little streak that he's having would would start to happen because he's he's struggled so much so far this year. I mean, if he ends up finishing the season, which he probably will, with you know more than 30 home runs, and he adds to his RBI total, you know, it's not a totally lost season. And remember. Uh, it's not like Ozuna is has been batting behind him uh, yeah. for the last six weeks or so, or however long Ozuna's been out. Well, and it's against the Pirates and Reds, but the entire offense has been more impressive these last few weeks. The DeYoung's come back. Colton Wong has raised his average over twenty points in the month of July. He's quietly he's not doesn't have power extra base hits or anything. Meantime, Matt Carpenter can't get a hit in my in the oh minors. Gosh. Oh gosh, oh for, for 16. sixteen, yeah. Not that's, great. That's concerning. It is, but I, I'll roll the dice with Tommy Emmon and Jairo Munoz right now. I'm I'm not hating that totally, but right. But that's going to be a challenge for for uh, manager Schilt because oh, yeah. when Carpenter does come back, I mean they're not going to keep him down no. there for weeks. No, he's coming then back what, at some then point. Then what does he do? Yeah. Well, let's get some breaking news right before we came in here. Harrison Bader going to AAA. Uh, this it's really gonna upset my wife. When I really? Oh my gosh! I, your wife, I don't think, will be the only uh, woman in St. Louis who is upset. Big by this. fan of Harrison Bader. <laughs> this was a long time coming. I mean, the defense is great and all, but the guy just looks lost up there. He, he's got to. He's got to go work on his hitting because yeah. he's he's got the tools, but he just has not found found the 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 way forward from his hitting. He's just not been good all year. And, and you don't. I mean. I'm not keeping Tyler O'Neill out of the lineup. He's not quite as hot as he was for those four or five days when he was crushing everything. And I'm not keeping uh, Dexter Fowler out of the lineup either uh, instead of Bader. I mean, it's going to be Fowler, Martinez, and O'Neill if it's me. And then once Ozuna comes back, why would you make the effort to keep Bader in there? It no. doesn't make any sense at all. No, I can't see why he why they would force him into the lineup at that point. There's obviously something that he's doing that isn't working, yeah. and he's got to go figure out what that is because he just looks completely lost. 
Hopefully he gets back to it. I haven't completely lost faith in him, but uh, it's not reassuring. Okay, let's get to a more fun note and reminisce like we like to do sometimes here on the Sports Plus podcast. The 04 NL Championship team was back in town this this past weekend against the Astros, appropriately. Um, I was... That was when I really first started getting into Cardinals baseball. You're shaking your head, and it's... Yeah. <laughs> That's really when I first started getting into Cardinals baseball, and... Oh my God, they were so much fun. And as I look back now with kind of more of a, a depth and knowledge of everything around it, that team, I think, is one of the best we've ever seen in St. Louis. Oh, without question. Andy and I got into Cardinals baseball <laughs> and Eno Slaughter's rookie year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 2004 team was very special. It was. And, you know, you talk about the total antithesis of what uh, of what you know, we we seem to be experiencing now, and hoping that the Cardinals make the deal. That team got off to such a great start, and here comes the trading deadline, and lo and behold, Walt Jockety goes out and he gets Larry. Walker. Here comes a Hall of Famer, just just for some extra yeah. thump. Yeah, just in case you might need him. I think definitely lineup wise, I did a longer piece on it this past weekend but I think lineup wise that's definitely the best Cardinals team ever you could argue full team maybe with pitching and whatnot but lineup wise one through nine it's just insane anchored by the MV3 Roland Edmonds and Pujols what's interesting is to look at that lineup and to look at that team and compare it to the 2011 team that won the World Series and it's just so amazing that 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 2004 team had more talent than any Cardinal team I can think of and they didn't win the World Series. In fact, they lost in four straight to the Red Sox. And the 2011 team barely, you know, was above 500, and they won the World Series. Frank talked to Scott Rowland at the reunion, and Rowland said he told his wife after they lost in 04, he goes, Honey, I'm, I'm just never going to win. If we can't win with this 04 team, I'm just not going to win a World Series. Yeah. And then lo and behold, two years later, we get in with 83 wins right. and win the whole thing. Um Guess who had the fourth highest war on that team after the MV3? Who? Tony Womack. Really? In his one year with the Cardinals. And you know, okay, I, I just have to point this out. This is the brilliance of Tony La Russa because there's another example of it, a guy by the name of Craig Paquette, who had a who had a wonderful year in his free agent in his walk year. La Russa played him what? 350, 350, 400 at bats or whatever, and yeah. he was and he was Sterling. Same with Womack, who batted over 300, I think. Signs a big free agent contract, and then they put him in every day, and they just weren't the same player. Larusa knew exactly how much he could play a guy and get the most out of him. And the only non All Star on that on that starting lineup, can you guess that? Not not that year, not that year, oh. all time. Oh. In their career. Hmm. Bo Hart? <laughs> Mike Matheny. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Matheny sure. was the only one to never make an all-star team in that starting lineup. So it's just stat- – and I think they're going to have four Hall of Famers when it's all said and done because Pools is a lock. Yeah. Walker, I think, is going to get in this next year. He's he trending should. that way. Roland is getting a lot of support, especially from the Sabermetrics community. I think he gets in. And then Yachty, it's divisive outside St. Louis for some reason. People like to debate it, but Yachty's going to get in. So I think that yeah. team's going to have four Hall of Famers someday. You know, Corey, when you put this on the rundown, I you know I tried to think of my own recollection as a kind of mid two card 
mid-2000 Cardinals baseball. And I think it's funny when you think about this 2014, because I think when you look back at that era, the first thing that pops into your mind is the 06 team and the World Series, and I think that's obvious. I feel like a lot of fans would think back and, and, and remember mid-2000s baseball. The second memory they'd have was the Pujols home run against yep. the Astros. And I think yeah. that's the next thing that pops in your head. You almost... It's not that you forget about the 04 team. It's that it's almost overshadowed by two other seasons and two other moments uh, that just play better in your head. And unfortunately, in 04, you know, this team just ran into the Red Sox and ran into a historic, you know, come back against the Yankees, and it just seemed like destiny. I think this team was better. I would say I feel like this team was better than the other two teams. They, that, they were. You know, the 05 oh, yeah, def- definitely 06. Sure. And yeah. 05, I'd say they were better because Roland didn't get hurt in 04, right. and right. he was hurt in 05. Right. But it's it's close there. And yeah. so it's just funny how things work out and how a memory, you know, over 15 years, you uh, you almost conflate one thing to another, and it's like this team was the best team out of all of them. And yeah. just, you know, get my my most done. vivid memory, though, of the 2004 World Series was Game 4. I was at Bush Stadium and uh, in my seats that I had season tickets at that time. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox sweep. And I look out on the field, and there's Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore oh. hugging <laughs> at second base. Oh, that movie. Yeah. They were filming they for were the Fever Pitch. a movie in the Fever middle Fever. of the Red Sox oh, celebration. <laughs> My son was with me. I said, what the heck is going on? It's unbelievable that that moment in Red Sox history right. somehow also involves Jimmy Fallon well, they, and Drew Barrymore They, they actually a movie. changed the ending of the movie. Yeah. So that the, after, the, after they had like a three games to nothing. That's yeah. so funny. The thing that I remember the most about that World Series is that game one was the most competitive of the three games. Yeah. I believe it was like 11 to 9 or something. Yeah. And then for the Cardinals, it got progressively worse. Where in game four, they got shut out, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, it, I mean, if you remember that first game, the Red Sox would take the lead and the Cardinals would come back, and the Red Sox would take the lead and the Cardinals would come back. And I just think that was devastating. All right, that's it for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to tune in. We'll have a new episode of the Sports Plus Rewind coming later this week and another episode of the original Sports Plus Podcast coming next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.